We are in a series called Real Marriage, and I got to tell you uh, that I feel extremely unqualified to be standing before you at this time, simply because the more I read, the more I realize what a horrible husband I've been. And um, I wish that someone would have given me this information uh, 30 years ago. Not that to say that we would not have uh, gone through the things that we go through, have gone through, and we continue to go through, because marriage is a living, breathing organism of two sinners who finally say, I do, and don't realize that after they say, I do, they need to say, I will. Because in order to work things out in your marriage, in order to work things out in your life, you have to be willing to die to self and allow this oneness to occur. And I see it sometimes, like Hollywood has tricked us. They've, they've duped us. They give us two-hour movies where everybody fights, screams, runs away, and then at the end, they're hugging and kissing. It's not how it works. You have to realize that if you are, and, and, and this is, I want the single people not to tune me off, because the single people are thinking about getting married. And if you don't have this information, you'll be seeing me for counseling. And uh, I got to tell you that it's, it's an awesome thing when you read something, like I've been reading a couple of books, one of them is the gospel, and it just, um, and doing a bunch of other things, and one of the things that I realized is that I'm a bad husband, a bad father, a bad person, I mean, stay with me, okay, it's a bunch of bags, um, I'm an idolater, and uh, a hypocrite, okay, now, at this time, when a pastor comes before you and says that, you're like, what the heck is he allowed to be a pastor. God takes the foolish things of this world, man. He takes the broken people of this world, people who are just willing to surrender and yield and allow him to be God in their lives, to do what he do best. Because at the end of the day, I got to tell you that without God, nothing's going to work. Without Christ, without two people, I'm not talking about just me. I, I can't carry this load on my own. I, it can't just be your spouse carrying this load on. It can't be the wife. It just can't be the husband. It's got to be two people willing to fall in love with Jesus. Because I want to tell you, marriage is not supposed to make you happy. <laughs> Man, you came here to take that with you, right? It's not supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to make you holy. That's God's purpose. The world will tell you you're supposed to be happy. And if you're not happy, then you have a right to leave, to seek out happiness somewhere else, not realizing that the person that's going to go into that next relationship is who? You. So if you're not happy in that relationship, you're going to keep blaming somebody else and you don't look in the mirror. Listen to me. Every single person here who is married, who is about to get married, you need to look in the mirror and realize that you're the problem. It's easy to point the finger, isn't it? And when I say that you're the problem, it's because your walk with Christ is not real. That your walk with Christ is not real. You want someone else to pray for you, pray with you. You want someone else to do the work, and all you're going to do is cross your arms, cross your legs, and not do anything. It takes two people walking towards God, willing to surrender to God, so that God can bring glory into your home. And you single people in here, don't turn me on because I'm telling you, you are desperately asking God, give me a rib, give me a husband, give me somebody. You don't realize what you're asking for. 
Because if the person is not following Jesus, if the person is not surrendered to Jesus, what you're going to inherit is a devil who tricked you into thinking they love Jesus. Now, I didn't have too much time to prepare for this, so I'm just dropping it the way it's coming. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologize because as I'm going, I was up at 2 o'clock in the morning the other day, and I'm crying. I'm crying because I'm saying, man, I haven't been this. And then the title, Friends with Benefits, messed me up because I thought about Justin Timberlake, and I'm like, nah, we can't use that <laughs> because my, my, my folk up in here won't know what that, they know what that means, Friends with Benefits. Right? So I decided to use the bond of friendship because there's something that happens when your spouse is your best friend. Something that happens. Amen? So I'm going to try to go through this. I'm going to read what, what, I, you know, what God gave me to write. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a preaching because we go through this matrix when we preach. You guys don't realize the back end of things. I got about 50 pages up here, and I got to whittle it down to three, okay? And I got to do it in a certain amount of time because then we have to walk into communion. Now, if you're here and you're messed up, it's okay. I'm messed up. Yeah, I don't got it going on. I don't. I know this. I'm sinning less today than I did before. And that's because the Holy Spirit within me is, is doing a work that I'm allowing him to do. See, I can't resist the Holy Spirit. When I read something that reveals something to me, I don't know about you, but it wrecks me. It wrecks me. It messes me up. I try to rationalize and justify it and say, no, but I'm doing this, God. I'm doing this. <laughs> I don't care what you're doing. I want to work in here. There's something about your heart when you reveal it to me that's not right. And guys, when you go through this whole thing of idolatry, it's scary. Like, you know, you can make your spouse an idol. Like, like you can literally cater to an individual who is not following Jesus and ruin your life. Amen? Now, I know you're feeling uncomfortable right now, right? But it's okay for us to feel uncomfortable because it's there that God begins to work in your lives. Amen? That's what he's doing in my life. He's just dredging some stuff up. Some dredging some stuff up, just kicking me around and reminding me, no, this is how you need to be. This is what you need to do. And let me tell you something. It's not your work. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. See, I can't do this on my own. Like, like I have an attitude. Dude, I mean, I, I, I can be prideful. I can be stubborn. I can be, it's my way or it's just going on. I'll take all my toys and nobody's playing. That's it. I can do that. But I got to tell you, it doesn't work. And guys, I've been married for 31 years. And it's work. And it still is work. And it's dying to self. And it's surrendering. And it's yielding. But you have to understand that it takes two people to make this work. But at the very beginning, you have to commit to working it out. See, there's no plan B for me. There isn't. I'm not going anywhere, we're going to work it out. And if that means i got to cut off an arm to work it out, then i got to cut off an arm to work it out. See, that's what's got to happen. There's a level of commitment. So when, you know, when I go through this and I have this conversation with my wife and I have this conversation with people, and I say, is your spouse your best friend? <clears throat> Only you can answer that question. And it's not at this moment where you elbow your spouse and says, why are you not my best friend? 
Well, let me tell you something. You're not too friendly. Why would I be your friend? I love you, but I don't like you. Like, like where does that come from? It takes work. Now, nobody want to hear this, right? Just lower my mic. Let's go home. We're done. But we need to have this conversation in church because some of us don't want to have these courageous conversations. Some of us rather remain silent and not have these conversations. Some of us don't want to stir the pot. Some of us don't want to fight. Man, I love a good fight. I do. Because I don't want to walk around in pins and needles. I don't want to walk around with eggshells in my house wondering why the pots are being slammed around. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So I'm willing to have that conversation at the front end. Let the ice cold moments happen for three months. And then, but we have to have these conversations. You made me feel this way. I didn't like what happened. Why did that happen? Help me to understand. Why did you say that? Because if we don't have those conversations, we stuff them. We stuff them. We don't address them. And know what happens? You start here, and you drift. And you drift. This is where a husband and wife decides to work 20 hours a day not to get home. Because when you get home, you know what you got to do? You got to talk. <laughs> you got to have a conversation. Now, what do you talk about? You drift. You're better with other people than you are your spouse. Why? Because what happens in marriage is you become judgmental. You have a certain expectation and it's not met and then you hold the grace and you hold the love that, by the way, doesn't belong to you. Doesn't belong to you. You know, somewhere in the Bible it says you have to love your enemies. Not to say that your spouse is your enemy. But you would hold love that's not even yours to withhold. Because who is love? God. The origin of love is God. He uses you as a vessel to dispense love. But guess what you do when it comes to your spouse? Shh, you shut off that. That direction. No, it can flow everywhere else, but it's not flowing. Why? Because they didn't meet my expectations. They didn't do what I wanted to do. I watched a couple of kids playing the other day. And uh, one of them, you know, just suddenly got mad at the other one. And um, they said, I'm not your friend no more. So somebody comes over and says, hey, you know, what happened? He said, He's not my friend no more. I don't want him to be my friend no more. I, well, why don't you want him to be your friend? Because he didn't do what I told him to do. Isn't that what happens in marriage? You didn't do what I told you to do. As if I'm here to be your waitress, to be your waiter, like room service. Two people following Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, embracing Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, reading God's word. I've, I've read and have studied more about marriage in the last three years than I've ever had before. For no other reason is because I want a marriage that glorifies God. Amen? Amen. That's what I want. And I don't know how. Like if I go based on the construct that I had before, right, like, when I was growing up, we didn't, all this marriage counseling, all that stuff wasn't going on. It was like, you like me, I like you, let's go. Let's have 13 kids later and see what happens, right? 
Like, like that's how it was. There was no this, oh, you know, we have to spend time together, quality time. You know, we got to you have a date night. You know, we got to do all this stuff. Why? Because it's work. Back then, it was like, yo, you marry me, I'm marrying you. We'll hitch. We're not going nowhere. That was it. Like, my mother and my stepfather were married for 50-something years. Man, I used to hug that man every single day because I know how ornery my mother could be. <laughs> like, seriously. I wouldn't even whisper in his ear, yo, it's okay, smack her, go ahead, I got you. <laughs> I would tell him. And he was like, no, no, I can't do that. I can't, you know, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, this man endured. Like, he was a model for me to follow without knowing Christ. I was like, yo, you want me to talk to you like that? He's <laughs> like, nah, it's okay, it's okay, I love her. And I, like, I really got a picture of what it looked like to love someone even when they came out of the side of their neck. I was like, and I get like the Terminator. You said that? Like, and we have to be mindful of what? I'm simply saying two people falling in love with Jesus is the remedy for a marriage that brings glory to God. Two people that understand that everything that's happening in light of eternity means absolutely nothing. That the grace that's been given to you is the grace that you should give to your spouse. That the love that's been shown to you is the love that you have to show to your spouse. And that you're not here to change your spouse. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. As you on your knees and face, ask God to give you the wisdom in how to be a good husband and a good wife. Don't leave it up to the other person. See, if you spend time with God in prayer and in his word, and, and in that, listen, if you don't like what I'm saying, that's okay. But if it's you, you need to fix this. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get what you put into this. And if you're not investing in your relationship with the Lord, I got to tell you something, that the moments that you hit the wall is the moments that you want the Lord. Instead of having the Lord in it. Everything for me now is in light of eternity. Everything for me now doesn't matter because at the end of the day, God showed me love to show love. God showed me grace to show grace. And look, when you think about it, people use 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in weddings. People take vows. And one of the vows you take are for better, and when it gets worse, you forget that that's what you said you would do. And it's in those moments that you allow yourself to grow and to flourish. Amen? All right. So, before sin entered into the world, God declared one thing not to be good. Anybody know what it was? Ah, well, we're going to find out, right? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, you can remain seated just for the day. It's one single verse. So I don't want you to stand up and pop down just for that one single verse. But in Genesis 2.18, it says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's the only thing he said was not good. Everything else he said when he created was good. It goes on to say, so I'm going to do what? I'm going to make him a helper who is right for him. The word suitable, that means it fits him. I want to explain to you something that you need to understand. You did not pick your spouse. God picked your spouse. Because he wants to work out something in you that that person 
it's going to help you to work out. <laughs> you, know, you need to listen to that one. <laughs> I am a control freak. I am impatient. I am not kind at times. I cannot be gentle at all times. Are you, uh, everybody listening? Right? And some people that don't want to hear this, right? Am I okay? The guys are like saying, yeah, Pastor, go. Help me out here, right? No, listen to me. It's not just for the men. It's for the women too, right? I'm speaking to everybody, and not just the marriages or singles. Don't lock me out. Because at the end of the day, you have to understand, he made someone suitable for you because God doesn't want to make you happy. He wants to make you holy. And in order to make you holy, there's this thing called sanctification. He meets you where you are when you say yes to him. You're a hot mess. And now he wants to bring glory to his name. And now you hitch up and you get married. When sinners say, I do, great book, you should buy, you should look into it. But here's what happens. Now, God wants to make you holy. The only way he can make you holy is by putting somebody in your life that's going to challenge everything that you believe. Everything. You're, you're neat, you marry a slob. <laughs> like, serious. And I'm not saying a slob, slob. I'm just saying someone who doesn't care about picking up the socks. And you're like twitching, wondering when he's going to pick up the socks. When he's going to pick up the socks. When he's going to pick up the socks. The socks don't matter. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God wants to work out something in your life. Like I said, control and patient, not kind, not gentle. God slowly began to work that out in my life. And I got to tell you something. I got a great wife who constantly helps me with this. Like, you know, I am, I am my biggest critic, but my wife will remind me of these things. We had an incident a long time ago, and I remember it still to this day because I'm very mindful of it now because I was corrected. All right? Women, help us. Help us. And I remember we were just walking, we were talking, and, uh, you know, we just... Side by side, we weren't holding hands necessarily, but we were just having an in-depth conversation. And I walked ahead of her, and I went through this glass door. And I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm looking, and she's not there. And I turn around, and she's on the up opposite side of that glass door, like this. Now, I'm thinking, what did I do? Right? And I don't know, you, know, you start thinking about how do I clean this up? Like, like how do I, I don't, but honey, I thought you were right next to me. You know, like that kind of stuff. And it was like, are you walking alone? Am I your wife? Like, yo, this day on, I open doors. I, <laughs> I let her walk ahead just so I can catch up with her. Simple correction. Nothing except that what? As a person that normally is dating and courting, right? You're just on your own. A person who is on their own, they're just moving on their own. Now that you get married, you're not moving on your own. You're no longer on your own. It's not about you anymore. It's about the glory of God moving in your life so that he can use both of you for his glory. Amen? So he made someone suitable for him. And it's powerful because in the midst of everything, when you see it, God, you know, declares this one thing throughout the, that's it, at the very beginning. So this text gives us a theology of the marriage, but we all often miss the context of it. 
Like this is the theology of it. He gave us someone suitable for us to be with us side by side on this journey. Amen? Amen. So you have to understand that this friendship thing is something you have to work out to. Like I said early on, we had, you know, I had this conversation with my wife, and I was like, hey, honey, am I your friend? And she was like, won't you be my husband first? And I was like, wow, okay, what, is that? what does that mean? This means that there are certain expectations in friendship, right? There, there, there are certain things. All of us here, all of you have 5,000 friends, right, because of Facebook, right? You don't have 5,000 friends, okay? Friendship is time-consuming, right? And we're going to see in the Bible how it talks about it. St. Augustine defines friendship in this way in his book called The Confessions. You can make a note of it. You can read it. It's a book that's been throughout history for Christianity. It says, it is to make conversation, to share a joke, to perform mutual acts of kindness, to read together well-written books, to share in trifling and in serious matters, to disagree, though without animosity, just as a person debates with himself. And in the rarity of disagreement, to find the salt of normal harmony, to teach each other something, or to learn from one another, to long with impatience for those absent, to welcome them with gladness on their arrival. I like that last part, right? Like, like I don't know about anyone here, but there are day, you know, moments throughout the day where I just want to rush home. Anybody? Right? No, I'm not talking about single people. Stop it. You got a dog to go home to. No, I'm talking about husband and wife for a moment. There's a moment that I want to rush home, right? I want to see my wife. I want to see my wife, right? I get in the door, and I'm expecting open arms, and she's busy at the kitchen doing what she does. It's a light kiss, right? My expectation is, you know, I walk in, song goes off, ah, right? She comes running across the room, jumps in my arm, honey, I missed you. And it doesn't happen. Right? But there are moments that we long. You ever go on vacation on your own? It's like you long for someone, right? And that's what St. Augustine is saying here. It says that, that being in a friendship, in a marriage or friendship, is, is you long when the person is not there, you long for them. And then when not only do you long with them, but when they see you and you see them, there is a greeting that occurs. Hi, honey. No. Next it's bells and whistles. and It doesn't work out that way. And I'm going to tell you why, because there are three kinds of marriages. And I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit. Amen? Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16 says, the wife says it this way. This is what it said in the Song of Solomon. It is a uh, section of the Bible written, intended to uh, remind us of this romance between God and ourselves. Amen? Amen? And she gives this amazing definition of friendship. She says, this is my lover and this is my friend. Think about that for a moment. This is my lover and my friend. So my question is, how's your friendship? Not only with your spouse, but with Jesus. See, God is a friend and has friends. God himself is a friend and has friends. And God has made us in his image, his likeness for friendship with him and with one another. Just to be clear, not all relationships are friendships. 
Everybody got that? A friendship is a specific kind of relationship. And we learn from Jesus himself in John chapter 15, 13. He says, no greater love has no one than this. It's not going to be on Than to lay down one's. Think about that. Life for their friend. Now, Jesus said this, and you have to understand that if you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, he's your friend. So you have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend to sinners. The Bible says that Abraham was considered a friend of God. And as you study friendship, and I pray that you do, you will realize what was it about Abraham that made him a friend of God? Why is Jesus a friend to sinners? Amen? So, but a closer... As we look closer into Jesus' life, like I said before, not all relationships are friendships. When we look at Jesus' closer life, now he makes this statement that we're all his friends when we believe in Jesus Christ. But when we look closer at his life and in his ministry, it says here that Jesus had three near and dear friends. Peter, James, and John. They were there at his most intimate moments. We see them at the garden. When Jesus is going through it, he's doing, he brings them over and says, here, you know, pray for me while I go forward. Those are the three that are there. Of course, they fall asleep. <laughs> but, but think about that. Because here's what you have to understand. Friendship is expensive. It's expensive. It takes money. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes emotion. And it takes commitment. So those 5,000 friends you have on Facebook are not your friends. Just because you click and have a conversation with someone doesn't make them your friends. Again, it says this. It takes money, time, energy, emotion, commitment. I got one best, best, best friend that I grew up with for 35 years. We both somehow, God has a great sense of humor, we're both pastors. He's pastoring in Staten Island and I'm pastoring here. 35 years. And you have to understand something about our friendship. And I'll talk about three kinds of marriages. You have to be mindful how they are. But like, we may not see each other for a month. We'll pick up the phone, we'll run into each other, we'll pick up where we left off. It's like an ongoing chess game. Like you leave the chessboard and leave it there and you come back to it. It's the same way. It's just, just this constant flow of understanding. You know, you got your kids, I got my kids, we go, right? And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just want to let you know that friendship, real friendship, takes money, takes time, takes energy, emotion, and commitment. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, it says this, because in the midst of that, we have to be mindful that if you want friends and if you want to be a friend, then you have to be friendly. Everybody? Friendly. Everybody got that? You want to be a friend? Say, oh, I got no friends. That's because you're not friendly. Right? So you have to understand what that says because here's what I know to be true. I've never seen a friendly person lonely. I've seen a bitter person lonely. I've seen a judgmental, self-righteous person lonely, but I've never seen a friendly person lonely. If you want to have friends, learn to be friendly. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And if you don't feel that your spouse is a good friend, don't use this opportunity to point it out. Don't use the opportunity. Don't, don't, don't do that. Right? Don't, don't, don't use this opportunity to point that out. Right. On the way home, don't use that opportunity to say, you're not my friend. <laughs> right? 
ask yourself this. Ask your spouse, could I be a better friend? Can I be a better friend? Because at the end of the day, you have to be mindful that if you want friends, you have to be friendly. And if you want your spouse to be your best friend, it's something that you grow into. I see that all the time. I go to places and conferences, and a pastor will get up there and says, my wife is my best friend. And I sit there, I say, how did you do that? And that's because I haven't been a good friend. I'm a fixer. My wife comes to me with something when she just wants me to listen. I want to fix it. Ladies, you have to understand, that's how we're built. Like, you know, like, like, we're, like for me, I don't know about it your husband or anything like that. I'm simply saying that for me, I'm already thinking ahead of what you've said and what you're trying to communicate to me. And I got to learn. Remember I said I was impatient. I got to learn how to be patient. And patient requires listening. Does everybody understand that? Because as, as I'm listening, I relinquish control. You didn't get that one, right? I'm a control freak and I'm impatient. And we have to understand I'm, I'm wired that way because I'm not putting Jesus in the midst of things. Okay. See, Jesus resolves that because Jesus was patient. Amen? Amen? So as I'm going through that, I realize, okay, so how, how do I do this? Right? Like, how do, how do I work through this process? Because we're talking about friendship throughout history. You've always heard that about community, about isolation, about connecting with people, right? That's why Facebook is not connecting. It's not. Amen? So I have this uh, acrostic that I want to go through. It's, a, it's a really an acronym to help us understand about let's be friends. Amen? So I'm going to try to go through it. I realize that everybody is sitting here expecting me to give you everything, but inside your sermon, there's a sermon map inside. And this is where you participate in the service. Amen? So I hope you have a pen. If you're a witch's spouse, you can take notes, and then later on, get together and have these conversations because here's what God wants to do throughout this series. He wants to solidify the marriages in this place. He wants to bring them to a place where you realize it's not about making you happy, it's about making you holy. It's about two people pursuing Jesus and wanting Jesus to be present in their lives and in light of eternity begin to treat each other in a way that it's honorable for the glory of God. Because here's what I do know. If you have children, they'll watch you. And you'll ask them, do you want to get married? And they'll say no. Because the model that they have has been your marriage. When God inserted friendship into the first marriage, his solution for Adam's issue at that moment where he was alone was he gave him a friend. He gave him a friend. One Gave him a friend. And slowly but surely, like I didn't see a wedding in, in the Garden of Eden. Anybody see a wedding? No. Right? There was no, uh, you know, dun, 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 dun. there was no music. There was no, it was like, yo, here. You asked for it, here. Right? And they began to work it out in their lives. Amen? Okay. So let's just go through this. If you have a pen, the first one is, starts with an F. Friends, F is Fruitful. Fruitful. The marriage relationship is like everything else. It assists for the glory of God. Marriages that are effective produce glorifying results. Glorifying results. Everybody understand that? 
I will bring glory to God. My marriage should bring glory to God. Should bring glory to God. Others should be able to look at my marriage and say, man, I want a marriage like that. Right? It's important for us to understand that that's what that means. This whole idea of God looks at a couple and tells them to be fruitful. It's important for us to understand that as we submit to God, God begins to use us. Your nearest and dearest friend should be your spouse. It's your first friend that you should have as you go through life. And friendship is completely overused. Not everybody is your friend. Amen? Next is reciprocal. The R in friends is reciprocal. What does that mean? <laughs> you both need to work on your friendship. It's not just me. It's not just her. You both need to be working at your friendship. And what I said earlier in Proverbs, it talks about if you want to be, uh, you know, you have to be friendly. You want friends, you have to be friendly. So, so how do we uh, work through this out? It, this, this is something that we have to, you know, this whole idea of selfishness, it just can't be there. Right? You say, oh, your spouse is not very friendly, so then you be a good friend. Right? You're both devoted to that. Oftentimes when you're having struggles in your relationship, what do we do? We reach out to our friends to get involved because we need somebody on our side to agree with what we Why is it that people disagree? Because you're not doing what I want you to do. It's those little kids who, I'm not your friend no more because you don't want to do what I tell you to do. But that's not how it works. Marriage is not me barking orders. And it's not you catching an attitude because I don't submit to what you want me to do. We both submit to God. And the glory of God manifests itself in our lives through his word. We're obedient to his word. And now I'm not looking at you in a way that I can withhold what God has given me so freely. God has given me grace. It's not for me to hold it and not show you grace. And oftentimes in marriage relationship, we don't show each other grace. There's no room. Love. God is love. The origin of love is God. He's giving you love. He's showing you love. And now you don't love me or your spouse, right? So again, two people working toward God. You have to do what? It's got to be reciprocal. It's both of us, honey. Come on, let's do this, man. Can't just be me. Right? That's why, you know, people say, well, you know, meet me halfway, 50-50. No. You bring 100, I bring 100. Yeah, none of this, you know, because it winds up, that person who says they're going to be 50, then all of a sudden they're bringing 40. They're bringing 30. And when it gets lopsided, that's where the bickering starts. Well, I got a full-time job, and all you do is nothing and stay home with the kids. Yeah, you ever stayed home with kids? <laughs> yeah. Like, I stayed home with kids. I called my wife every hour on the hour when I was staying home. Where is this? What do I do with this? What do I do with that? What if the milk is too hot? What I, you know, I had to learn how to do it, and I'm grateful that she was a great coach. But for me to come home after a long day's work and says, you've been doing nothing but playing with kids. To her, says, okay, you stay home and play with the kids. Right? See how that. So I commend mothers who take care of their children because I know that for me, I wasn't built that way. <laughs> Next one, the I in friends is intimate. Intimacy. You know what intimacy is? Into me. See? 
Pretty simple. It's knowing one another. It's knowing one another. And, and, and listen to me. I don't know unless you tell me. I do not have a crystal ball to figure this out, so help me to understand it. And that's what the conversations we have, right? That's why when young people, they talk to me, oh, we're going to the movies. I said, so you're going to stay out of screen for two hours instead of sitting across a table and having a conversation. So you look at the movie for two hours and you're quiet. Sometimes you do this, sometimes you try to do that, right? Sit down, table, face-to-face, -face, and have these conversations. I don't know what you like. Listen to me. 31 years, I still have to keep things cataloged. I still have to know that things are changing and moving. Why? Because my wife is a living, breathing human being. And if she liked red yesterday, red may not be the color today. But I won't know unless you tell me. Red alert, red alert. you got to let me know. I don't know because then I go out, right? I'm really happy. I want to be right, considerate. I go out and get you a nice red dress. But red is yesterday's color, <laughs> not today's color. <laughs> right? How do I feel? I walk with a red dress. I'm so happy I got your red dress. And you look at it and it says, red? <laughs> I thought it was your color. I don't know. So intimacy is that getting to know each other. Getting to know each other, understand each other, how this works. And guys, being mindful and patient with one another, understanding that, how this works. This is, this, is, this is not a sprint. This is us for the long haul, right? I want to grow old together. I want to build rocking chairs and sit on that porch of that old folk home and just laugh at each other, maybe make the mistake and put it on the wrong teeth. You know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> like I, I, that's what I want at the tail end of this, right? And then, of course, eternity, right? That, that, that as much time as we spend together here, we'll spend over there. We won't know each other as husband and wife. Intimacy won't happen. This whole, you know, consummating the relationship doesn't happen. But I'll know you. And if I go ahead of you, guess who's going to be waiting for you? It's me. I'm going to be at the pearly gate. Oh, honey, welcome. <laughs> right? Okay. Next one is, okay, pause there for a moment. Because there are three kinds of marriages that I want to touch on, and i got to get out of here, man, because this, this is a lot of stuff, but I think it's necessary for us to like, wrap our heads around this because it's really important for us. So there are three kinds of marriage. First one is back-to-back. Back-to-back. Write this down. Three kinds of marriages. First one is back-to-back. -back. Not the one you want, because in back-to-back -back marriages, they're really, what, adversaries and enemies. They turn their backs on one another. They're bitter. They're hostile. They're not loving. They're not working on the friendship. It's a bad place. I don't know how many of you are there or have been there, but bitterness seeps in. The anger seeps out. Disgust seeps in. It's back to back. And here's the, this, is, this is the news that you need to know. For some years, you faked it. But now everybody knows. It's obvious. It's obvious. I can see it in your face. I can see it in your body language, in your demeanor, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you treat each other. It's back to back. You faked it for a while. Back to back marriages are adversaries. They're not working on their friendship. They're hostile toward one another. They're not loving. It's a bad place to be, and if you're there, you don't want to stay there. You need to repent and go before God, seek forgiveness of one another, seek counseling. Whatever it is you need to do, you need to do it. Don't, don't shame the devil. Don't let him get the best of your marriage. Remember, God put this together. Amen? 
The next one is shoulder to shoulder. Now, shoulder to shoulder, what happens is you started out as friends. Right? Dating, smiling, talking to each other on the phone, regularly missing each other, buying each other gifts. Then all of a sudden, wow. Kids come. Bills come. Mortgage comes. Finishing college, careers. You know, oh, we got one kid. Oops, another kid. Oops, another kid. Right? So it begins to happen. We're so busy, we hardly know each other. Shoulder to shoulder. We're just working together. No real effort in working on our relationship. It's work, 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 work. We're like business partners. Taking the kids to soccer, karate, whatever it is. We're going all over the place. You know, did you take care of this? Did you check this? I send you a message. You take care of that? Shoulder to shoulder. They work. And they'll last for a long time. But where's the friendship? The next one is face to face. Face to face. This is actually looking one another in the eye, putting down your phone, turning off the TV, and being alone together. You know, one of my wishes is that we bring back flip top phones. They're like, just like, like, I want them back. Because if I'm sitting at dinner and your table is on the table, you know, the phone is on the table and it goes off, I'm in a moment of a very romantic moment. And the phone goes off. And what happens? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like, done. Wait, give me the check. We're going home. Right? Face to face requires this. Turning off the busyness, the noise, the things that are vying for your intention, the intruders that are constantly coming in. And what I mean intruders are those things that will interfere in that moment that you and your spouse are looking to be face-to-face and creating a friendship, and it could be the kids who run into the room. It could be, you know, the phone that goes off. It could be your, your job. It could be ministry, whatever it is. But shutting all that off. Date night. Anybody has a date night? No, a real date. Come on now. <laughs> All right? <laughs> what was it before? Blockbuster. You want a blockbuster picked up a movie? No. no. An evening together. Huge, huge holidays, vacations, sacred moments that God gives throughout the course of the day and even in our lives. We, we look into one another's eyes to connect. We see the other person. Shoulder to shoulder, we're constantly working, constantly moving. We get home, we pop ourselves on the pillow and say, good night, honey, love you. And that's it. But being face to face is where we want to be. We want to see love. We want to connect. We want to be face to face. The language of face to face is throughout the Bible. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says, does the Lord use to speak to Moses face to face? In Judges 6.22, it says, oh, Lord, now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the person would move with such emotions. Friendship is something that requires us to be face-to-face. Amen? Amen. Most men have friends shoulder-to-shoulder. Right? If you ask me about my friend, I tell you, we work together, we kiss together, we play ball together, right? My friend is not telling me, oh, Gus, we need to have quality time together. (laughs) Dude, you've been watching Oprah too long. Like, what's your problem? That's not, not how we do. We got a project to do. We got something to do. But ladies, right? My wife decides she's going out with her friends. Oh, we're just going to talk. I said, talk about what? 
You're not going to do anything? No, we're just going to talk. I said, well, yeah, I was with my friend. I said, wait, 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 we went to Starbucks. Two hours? Yeah, well, what are you doing? Talking. That's what ladies do. So you have to understand how they're built and how we're built. So when you want all this face-to-face -face stuff that you're trying to get out of me, you got to ease me into it. Why? Because I'm so used to this shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder thing. And that's where you get upset because I don't fit into the mold you want me to fit. I'm built differently. You're built differently. Like, I will never take my wife to a Yankee game ever again. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. She doesn't like baseball. And the time she went, she went because she wanted to spend time with me. But I could see her that she was miserable. So therefore, I couldn't enjoy the game. So I never put her through that again. Right? And we have to be mindful about one another, how we're built, that when we do things like that, right? It takes a gradual movement for us to move in that direction. And man, I got to get out of here. Okay. Next one is E for friends. It should be enjoyable. Right? Marriage about friendship. It's about a lot of things, but it's about friendship. To test do us part. It's going to be a long time. So have fun. Have fun. My wife turned me on to this. I'm not a big picture guy. She says, take pictures of everything. Everything. I said, Mom, what do you mean take pictures? She said, take pictures. I recently went away with my son. She says, take a lot of pictures. I said, of what? So I took a lot of pictures. Him getting out of bed, him going to the bathroom, <laughs> him eating. <laughs> I took a bunch of pictures, and I just sent them to her. And she was like, oh, that's so cute. And I'm like, it's not cute. But listen, create those memories. And when you take those pictures, put them in an album, put them somewhere, and then go through them. Sit down in that date night where you're home, sitting on the sofa, and say, hey, let's go through the pictures, and, and, and look at the pictures. And remember those moments, how happy you were, and how you were, you know, it just, it does, it rekindles that love, that friendship, amen? So make it enjoyable. Man, if you're going through life, through your marriage, miserable, oh, that's a drain. It, it, it sucks the life out of you, man. That's not what we signed up for. It's supposed to be enjoyable. If you can't have fun with the person you're with, like, like really, like that's, that's, let's just have fun. And that's one thing about my wife, I tell you, I, I can make a laugh. <laughs> we're just silly things, funny things, we're always cracking up. Mind you, I've made her cry a lot too. And I have to be mindful as I'm reading through this, I'm sitting with you in this audience. I'm not here having nailed this down. But I know there's a God who loves me and a God who's working in me. And at the end of the day, all I want to hear at the end of my road is well done. But I got to be willing to understand what it takes to be able to do what God has called me to do, not on my own, in Christ, because of Christ. And I'm telling you, if you're in this room and you're married, you need to be working on you and your relationship with Jesus. Because when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you have more grace. There's more grace in your marriage. There's more love in your marriage. There's more understanding in your marriage. There's more conversations about the things that matter. I'm not belittling the socks. They shouldn't be in the center of the living room. But that's not a reason for you to go crazy on me. It's not a reason for it. There's something else going on, and I have to pause and say, tell me what's really bothering you. And when I ask you that question, don't tell me I'm fine. 
because you're fighting about a pair of socks. You're not fine. Something's up, and that's a moment where I just open the door for you to sit down and say, honey, let me tell you about you. And I'm okay with that. But we need to have that conversation so the socks don't become an issue. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So make it enjoyable. The next one is needed. Needed. The end is needed. Be there. Assume nothing. Just be there. Just be there. For a long time, I gave the impression to my wife that I didn't need her. Because I'm a fixer, I'm a control freak. I don't, you know, I could do this on my own. I could do this on my own. I could take care of this. I could do this. Right? And we, we need to understand that we need each other. So, ladies, when I volunteer and say, honey, can I help you around the house? And you say, no, I got this. Give me something to do. Give me some Windex, some paper towels. I'll clean the mirror. But I just offered myself for you to allow me to be inserted into your world. Because then there's no joy in your cleaning. Everybody hear that? Like, come on, six in the morning, you put it on the vacuum cleaner? That's not. It's not joy. It's not joy at all. Huh? So make, make sure that you understand, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you. I need, I, I need your encouragement. Man, when my wife pays me a compliment, I go through a wall. Like, I need you. Like, like, you need, you know, we, five love languages, you know, if you don't know them, buy the book. It's great. It teaches you about what it is that's required and encouragement. You know, I, I recently text uh, the men in the marriage group, and I say, man, I, I need you to compliment your wife five times, five times a day. I don't know if they're doing it. I just put it on blast. Wives, have they been doing it? All right? Compliment your wife five times a day. Somebody just got an elbow in this room. I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm not all over that. But think about that. Think about that. Because oftentimes in marriage, when you're back to back, you find what's wrong. It's easy to see that. But there's so much good in your marriage that you've kind of covered it. It's become opaque because you're not allowing the goodness to come through. Amen? Devoted. D, devoted. In all seasons of life, good and bad, rejoice when it's time to rejoice, weep when it's time to weep, hang in there in times of adversity. No matter what happens, you are devoted. You are devoted to it. It's important for us to understand that we took those vows. I often remind people of the vows they've taken when they sit down with me. I say, hey, man, what did you say when, you know, the, the pastor was in front of you and, and you know, you... Slipped on the ring and all that stuff. What did you say? Uh, I said, I do. You said, I do to what? Because being devoted is in moments when not everything is going right. And that she doesn't go through it alone and you don't go through it alone. And when I talk about being needed and you have these conversations, honey, this is what I need. How do you want me to express what I need? And then you just dismiss it. How do I tell you? Ask me what I need. And I say, honey, well, I need you to be more patient with me. And then you're not. Honey, I need you to do this, and you don't. Being devoted is understanding that this grace that's been given to us, we need to dispense. This love that's been shown to us, we need to show. Amen? Amen. And then finally, the S is for sanctifying. Woo! I recently discovered this, that I am responsible for presenting my wife 
to God in a sanctified way. That means that I am responsible for helping her through this process as I pastor my home. Repent of it. Give it to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. Become more like Jesus. I was just sharing with Pastor Edwin earlier, and it's, it's, I live in this place of perpetual repentance. Well, what does that mean? Like I'm constantly repenting for the things that the Holy Spirit allows me to see. Like I'm at a place where the Holy Spirit is just revealing these things to me. And, and I listen, I'm, the, I'm my biggest critic. I can give myself a beating. I don't need your help. But as the Lord is revealing these things to me, I'm finding to throw myself at his mercy and repenting for them because at the end of the day, marriage is not for you to be happy. It's for you to be holy. And as you experience that holiness, because Christ is here, this bond of friendship, that's the big idea, this bond of friendship is two people falling in love with Jesus, pursuing Jesus, Honoring Jesus, obeying Jesus. That's what that is. You have to be able to seek out Jesus. And remember, you want a friend, be friendly. Because this whole sanctifying is just that. You're daily repenting. Oh, man, I can't believe I said that. Oh, man, I can't believe I did that. Where did that come from? It came because you pushed Jesus out of the way and you stepped into it. But if you step back and allow Jesus to step into, he'll say, now you can come. And I can show up because Jesus already made the way. My prayers for me today is not for God to change my wife. My prayers today is for God to change me. To change me. So your prayers as a spouse is not for you to change your husband. God, help me to see, am I a friend to my husband? Am I a friend to my wife? And based on what we just you know, discovered here in this teaching, man, there are a bunch of things here that I'm not being too good with. And this is the place to do it now. Amen? Because we're getting ready to have communion. And in having communion, you know what communion is? It's an opportunity for you to repent. It's an opportunity for you to start out anew. It's an opportunity for you to realize, man, I need Jesus in my marriage. I need Jesus in my life. Young people, if you're dating, young people, if you're single and you're seeking, listen, I wish people would have gave me this information a long time ago. You're getting it now. You got to allow God to work in your life. And just because somebody tells you they're a Christian doesn't mean that you intend on marrying them. There's got to be evidence of their Christianity. And if you're married, listen to me. You need to be seeking Jesus. Each person here, husband, wives, listen to me, because this is the biggest problem we have. You got one person doing the work and the other one just dragging along. That's discouraging. We both need to be doing this work. And if I'm reading something and I want to share with you, oh, you read it. Really? You got it? Let's, let's work together on this. I just read something that provoked me. And I'm thinking, man, honey, maybe let's read this together. Remember St. Augustine's definition of it is reading books together. Understanding what we're reading together because what? We want to be like-minded in the sense of the spiritual matters in our lives. I love Jesus. 
I need to go to Jesus so he can show me how to love my wife. You need to go to Jesus so he can teach you how to love your spouse. Because there are moments you're not too loving. There are moments you're not too friendly. And I tell you when those moments are, when Jesus is not present and you've taken over. And because you've taken over, that's why we're in a mess. Amen? Let's bow our heads.